This episode of Reality Escape Pod is brought to you by Morty, virtual escape games, and Patreon supporters like you. Welcome to the Reality Escape Pod, your lifeline when you need a getaway from the real world. I'm David Spira, alongside my co-host, PG Law. Together, we're exploring immersive gaming from all angles, and we'll be joined by guests who really know their stuff. Today's guest is the architect of Constructed Adventures, Chris Waters. For the past six years, Chris has been creating bespoke adventures. From wedding proposals to team building and birthday parties, he has been making site-specific serendipity. Welcome, Chris. Hey, thank you so much for having me. So glad to have you. The Architect is such a cool title. Is that like your term or did David somehow make that up? (laughs) That's on my business card. It started as a joke. Yeah, it started as a joke um, when I did my first adventure because I was like, I need a pen name. And I was watching How I Met Your Mother. And there was a lot of like Barney Stinson kind of everything locks into place. And Ted Mosby was an architect. And I was like, I'll just go by the architect. And then I realized it really worked with Constructed Adventures like three years into the business. And (laughs) yeah, and so I'll, I'll take a little bit of luck. That one was all Chris. I made up site specific serendipity, which is actually hard to say. I'm gonna steal it. I love that. I love bespoke puzzle adventures. It's how I proposed to Lisa. We hid puzzles at our wedding. Last year, Lisa surprised me with a little quarantine adventure in our house, and it was the best gift she has ever given me. So I'm really excited to dig into the craft with you today and pull apart and take a look at the different sides of making one-off experiences. Yeah, absolutely. And what any listener will probably realize is there's definitely some crossover. Obviously, there's good game design and there's bad game design. But there's a couple things that shift when it's specifically for one person or you get one shot at it, right? If it's leading to a surprise birthday party or marriage proposal or it's something specific for a friend, it's very different if you're going to like play test something than when you're doing it for the masses. These are the things we want to dig into. So like, I think that you are existing in this interesting space that if it were a Venn diagram, it's kind of in the middle of escape room and puzzle hunt and scavenger hunt. Yeah, it's funny because I have to tell people, like oftentimes I'll use the term seemingly serendipitous perfect days. I'll take a step back and I'll say very elaborate treasure scavenger hunt. And it's funny because I've used scavenger hunt mechanics in big group games where that term's been co-opted. And thanks to like Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Parks and Rec, you hear scavenger hunt and you think, treasure hunt when really it's like oh here's a laundry list of 20 things you need to photo and maybe you'll see 15 of them and you get points and that's it versus a treasure hunt where like you're sent somewhere to find something and something happens but i've stopped trying to fight that battle a long time ago and i just steer straight into it i mean we have these debates throughout the escape room community about how we define things and what word we use for this particular thing and the reality is that It can be useful amongst us for having nuanced conversations, but the rest of the world does not care at all. And actually trying to educate them on this will turn them off to the overall concept. It's just not something relevant. Yep, it's not worth it. It's like when you get into these music heads who are like, this was jazz funk fusion and this was deep house Afrobeats. You know, I mean, it's like it, it all sounds kind of the same to me, but it's the discussion is fun. 
Yeah. yeah. You, it's like wine too, where it's like, I like this wine. I don't taste like tennis balls or like fresh dirt or whatever the tannins are. Right. <laughs> but I still, I still respect it. And yeah, it, it to us and to us as designers, like we want people to play our games and you know how you're not going to get people to play your games by sticking them and correcting them with every little word they get wrong. And so I just go with it. I'm just trying to create a cool experience for people. Can we kind of get into that before we start? Can you walk us through what like a typical adventure with you would be like? Yes. So the the goal really is to create a day where the world seems to revolve around someone. Oftentimes we have to start with what the finish is. And usually it's a surprise birthday, a proposal, a gift, an anniversary. There always has to be a purpose for these days. I no longer do days where it's just like, we want to have fun. Because I'm like, just go to an escape room. You're going to spend way less money. You're going to get plenty of fulfillment from it. This needs a big reveal. And essentially, I work out with the client, whoever hires me, what type of day this player would want. It's a collaboration, for sure. Very rarely do I ever want to have somebody just throw a bunch of money at me and have me do it. There's a very in-depth survey that has everything from on a scale of the movie Hitch to the movie National Treasure, how do you want this to feel? How challenging do you want it to be between zero and 10? And then the follow-up question is, why did you put an eight? Because everybody puts an eight. No matter what they think or how smart the person is, they put an eight out of 10. And most people don't want an eight out of 10. Then I build this day. The last one that I did was based off of a very popular video game called Skyrim. The whole point of the game was he had to level up different attributes like you do in Skyrim. So he did lock picking, he did archery, he did two-handed weapons, he did alchemy, which was just him going to a distillery and getting drunk. Um, he <laughs> did pickpocket. I don't know if I said that one. And then one of the funny tropes with Skyrim, which happened with me, which happened with this guy, is you sink 80 hours into this game, you never touch the main quest and then you just kind of stop playing right and so that was the whole thing where he leaves white run he goes on this quest with his wife he levels up everything he finally opens this ornate cryptex one of the justin nevins ones and it says like yeah you're leveled up you could start your quest However, you're a little tired and there have been some new games that have come out you really want to try. You should just go home. And he goes home and there's a big surprise party waiting for him. And and it's just, it's that. Some people like those types of jokes. Some people want whimsy and challenge, but it's a lot of wax sealed envelopes. It's a lot of going to a, a bar and the server says, order whatever you want. Everything's been paid for. I was instructed to give you this. And it's sometimes very puzzly, sometimes actors and immersion. It's really just specific to the player. Okay, so when you send them on to the next location, it is like a little puzzle or something they have to figure out. Yes and no. And even with the most difficult of days, these days last six to eight hours, and that's too much time to just be hit over and over and over again with puzzles. So there's breaks, there's ebbs and flows and difficulty. There's tasks versus actual puzzles. And I never want puzzles to get in the way of narrative. I'm sure we've all experienced those escape rooms where it's like, <laughs> this doesn't make sense. And for me, one of my big rules is everything has to make sense. There has to be a purpose and a reason behind this thing. Why are you doing this puzzle? If you're trying to solve a murder mystery, like the murderer isn't leaving you a Sudoku, right? Unless maybe it's Zodiac-esque. But you can see, like, you don't want to get too far into the weeds there. So... It's a lot of the puzzles, quote unquote, that I use is discovery. It's a big world and I'm sending someone to a location to find something. Oftentimes I'll send them to the location and then they have to figure something out once they're there, like where they go versus just like find where to go. And then you run the risk of them going way off the deep end, because as you guys have probably seen 
people's brains going crazy places and they're like this clue has the letters n and y in it so we're going to new york city and it's like no stay in new jersey like you know <laughs> it's not 100 miles away it's down the street and so it's it's those types of things to try to make sure that everything is all set to go they go to a place and something happens or they figure it out I think that having these very tight parameters makes a ton of sense because when we had Neil Patrick Harris on, he told us about the time that he got sent on one of these personal epic adventures. This was in our Patreon bonus episode. Subscribe today. But he had told us about how they kept giving him these open-ended choices. And he's like, I didn't know what I was supposed to do. So I just went about my normal day. And he's like, I kind of kept looking over like, am I doing this right? And they were like, is this what you think you should be doing right now? And he's like, I don't know. I need direction. That was also (laughs) a very specific design and kind of a ridiculous experience that was made for him. You should definitely listen to the bonus episode because the story is nuts. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. It's that stuff drives me crazy. Yes. Like I always want specific direction. This is my problem, even in immersive theater, where I feel like, tell me what I'm supposed to be doing right now. And then let me go figure it out, you know, but like we need direction. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of signposting that has to happen even more. So I was actually just on the riddles subreddit and someone is building a treasure hunt. And I always tell him, come to constructed adventure subreddit. Like that's literally the point is for us to help you. And he's like, I need someone to make a riddle. And I'm like, dude, don't use riddles in treasure hunts. Riddles are great. I love riddles, but riddles have inherently five answers that can totally work. The answer is always time. Yeah, it's always time. I know. That's because the best riddle of all time. Lord of the Rings. Or or nothing. Uh, Or The Hobbit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But it's just like, I've seen riddles where it's like, this could be a bookstore or a library. And there's six bookstores around here and it tells me nothing, right? So the puzzles, anything they have to figure out should be go here, right? When they make the solve, they should know what to do next because that's a horrible experience if you don't know what to do once you've gotten the correct answer. You've covered a whole bunch of things in the last few minutes that I want to take some time and unpack them all in different ways. I know that you're making experiences that run a very wide range of budgets and I'm kind of curious... What are some examples of very high-end moments you've created for clients? What's something crazy that someone could experience with you? I had one where a woman was intercepted at the hair salon for her weekly hair appointment with a wax-sealed envelope that said, happy anniversary. You need to be outside of your home on this Saturday at 10 a.m. And she wakes up Saturday morning and her family's gone. Not like, oh, kidnapped, gone. Just like gone, Right. And she walks outside at 10 a.m. and there's a tiny little chest. And inside the chest is a car key. And she beeps the car key and there is a black Jaguar that (laughs) beeps just outside the house. And an envelope in the side seat sends her to her favorite coffee shop where someone literally comes out with her drink. Because the first things are kind of simple. And then a couple more stops to a private airfield where a helicopter is waiting with a bag to change. And it takes her to a wild animal park where she gets into a pool and an otter comes out and literally grabs a wax-sealed envelope from his little toy box and essentially hands her the clue. I wish everyone could see PG's face right now. (laughs) (laughs) What, the otter? You could have told me that that Jaguar was a brand new car and I could have cared less than hearing about your own, like, butler otter trotting out (laughs) with, like, a little wax-sealed envelope for you. Yeah, if you check my Instagram, I need to repost that, but I'll, I'll put that up. We'll put it in the show notes. Really, the thing was, the very beginning is me throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. 
And I've had times where like I go to a restaurant, I'm like, hi, I want to send a group of five people here and leave a credit card and they can order whatever they want. I just need you to make a reservation and hand them this envelope. And they're like, no. I'm like, really? You don't want to do it? And then I have other times where I'm like, hi, can I send a woman here and have an otter hand off a clue? And they're like, yeah, I think we could do that. I'm like, what about a helicopter? And they're like, we'll just move the llamas off field three. And I'm like, now we need to find a helicopter. So it's like, it's that kind of stuff where sometimes it just works. And then sometimes it's just like people are not into it. Usually it works really well. And usually people are really excited to be a part of these. I have so many questions. Okay. I mean, like, the person who hands her the envelope, first of all, at the salon, do you like hire a local guy for that? Or is it you or who does that? Oftentimes I'll work with the business and you would be amazed what you can get when you tip somebody $20. Like <laughs> that's, that's really it. During these adventures, I take out a couple hundred bucks in cash in fives, tens, twenties, because sometimes I just need to throw money at a situation and make it work. One of my rules with this is nothing else matters. The Player experience is the most important thing. If I have to lose money on this adventure to make sure that the adventure is perfect, I will do that. If you have some host or hostess and there's some kid who's making not enough money, as we've kind of seen recently, and I'm willing to come up and be like, hi, here's $20. There's a reservation. The manager didn't tell you about this because oftentimes they don't. This person's going to come in in five minutes. I have a GPS tracker on them, so I know when they're coming up. I need you to say, oh, hi, blank. I've been expecting you. Follow me. And that's it. And sometimes I'll use actors. Sometimes I'll have people that that help me. But if I can get away with it, I would love to have the business involved because it's one less person that reveals themselves. Another rule I have is once somebody has revealed themselves or is seen, they can never be seen again unless it's specific to the script and they're like a recurring character. But if somebody gets made, I can't have them hand off a clue later because then they're like, well, I saw you like two hours ago. And it just takes them a little bit out of the experience, you know? That is such a fantastic rule. And I can't even emphasize enough how warm and welcoming it is to be welcomed somewhere like by name, especially when it's like a special occasion. It feels so good. And especially if you're not quite sure that's where you're supposed to go. Even if they're told, yeah, go to this restaurant, right? Go to Diego Pops in Scottsdale. You're still like, I don't know. And just getting there and having somebody be like, ah, yes, David, I've been expecting you. Follow me. Order whatever you want. Everything's been paid for. I was instructed to give you this. There's no puzzles there, but that's a really cool experience. And it's not that hard to pull off. I feel special already just hearing that. And I'm not even, nothing's even happening. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, lovely to be here. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) How did you get started making these? So I built one for someone as a gift for the Reddit Secret Santa gift exchange. And it hit the front page and I started a business because of that. I kind of backed my way into this industry and then was just happily going along with it. And then all of a sudden, Tommy Haunton reached out and was like, we've been wondering about you. And I was like, oh, my God, there's a secret society. And like the kind of is, and it's kind of this. But of course, like it's Tommy Haunton, who's like the nicest, most incredible human being I've ever met. And also someone who I kind of consider my mentor. And I also like agree with him on every philosophical point about just game design and being a human. But yeah, that, that was it to, to go back to the beginning for anybody that's not familiar with reddit reddit is a giant website where there's a ton of different communities everybody has a subreddit uh, do you guys have a subreddit i feel like you should have we a subreddit. don't but we really need to get on that yeah just throw it on there it's so easy to make escape rooms has a subreddit i actually just became a mod and we're gonna make some huge changes because that has not been the best it's been a sad subreddit i am down to get more involved in that oh yeah we're making some changes now that i'm finally on a bit of vacation i can focus on that but constructed adventures has a subreddit there's like eight thousand people in there there's a separate for everything corgi butts 
every city, every sports team, blah, blah, blah. There is a subreddit called Secret Santa, which unfortunately is actually sunsetting this year. It's the largest anonymous gift exchange in the world. 100,000 people sign up every holiday season. Bill Gates usually does it. I know like Ellen and Snoop Dogg have done it. I actually wouldn't be surprised if Neil Patrick Harris hadn't done it once or twice, but it's a big thing. Some people get gifted cruises or $1,000 or switches or MacBook. Some people get screwed and they get nothing. There's always that. And I've been doing it for years and I'd given and received some incredible things. Somebody sent me five pounds of gourmet gummy bears, you know, like a, a book based on Minnesota Vikings quarterback who... I'm a big Vikings fan, unfortunately. And anyway, one year I got matched with my giftee and I looked him up and he lived 21 minutes away from me, which just like never happens, right? 100,000 people sign up. You can opt to stay within the continental United States or whatever country. But, you know, my gifties had been just super far away and I was making good money. And I was hosting a weekly poker game and I am not a great poker player, but my friends were just really bad. And I'd won like four or five weeks in a row. And so I just had money. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to build this guy and his girlfriend, this ridiculous treasure scavenger hunt. I had this incredible opportunity to create an experience for an internet stranger. And like, why, why not take that opportunity? Right? So I messaged him through the platform, the Reddit gifts platform, because you get an anonymous message. And I just said, I need you to give me a day where you and I'm hoping that your girlfriend who's in the picture that you posted up are available. It's got to be this weekend or next weekend, Saturday or Sunday. And he was like, okay, I can give you this day. And I had to talk him off the cliff a little bit because he's like, how do I know I'm not going to get murdered and ditched in the desert? I'm like, dude, nobody does that. You don't, <laughs> we watch a lot of true crime. And I get that all the time with like wax sealed envelopes. And they're like, does that have anthrax? And it's like, that happened in like 93. And that's not a thing anymore. Anyway, I had to talk him off the ledge a little bit and be like, listen, I'm a guy. If you do get murdered, it'll get traced back to me. Like we're talking on this platform. Reddit gifts has all our information. And like, I lived a soft life. I would not do well in prison. <laughs> so day rolls around and there's a knock at the door. He was told they had to be ready at 8 a.m. And somebody delivers a century old optometrist suitcase with like a bouquet of flowers. And inside there's a bunch of envelopes with symbols on it and a box with a chain wrapped around it and a lock. And their day started. I think back in hindsight, it was really poorly put together. <laughs> I made so many mistakes and I got so lucky. But the day was really good. You know, it sent them to this statue, which had tickets to the zoo. And they had to go to the zoo and decode messages using the animal plaques. We sent them to a restaurant where the server said, order whatever you want. Everything's been paid for. To the middle of a mirror maze where someone was like, are you Mr. Royal Scotsman? I was instructed to give you this. To the top of a hike where he was actually a, an ASU alumni and I'm University of Arizona and those schools hate each other. So I made him sing the U of A fight song. My big mistake was my friend who was helping me at that moment was an ASU alum. So he got like two words. He was like, oh, you're good. Here's the, the envelope. And it finished at a speakeasy underground where I kind of settled up to him at the bar and slid him this pretty nice bottle of champagne like boxed and wrapped as their gift of like, congratulations. And basically what happened was when they were at the zoo, I knew they were contained for two to three hours because the answer to their puzzle was reservation at Diego Pops at 1130 or something like that. And I took my friend out who delivered the suitcase to breakfast as like, thanks for waking up on a Sunday morning in December and hand delivering a century old suitcase to an internet stranger. And he said, this is awesome. People would pay money for this. You're going to start a business. I'm going to build your website. What's your business name? And I was like, uh, I don't know, Constructed Adventures. And he was like, cool, URL's available. I just bought it. 
give me a couple days. I'll put together a little Squarespace website. So he puts together this bare bones Squarespace website with pictures of Nicolas Cage from National Treasure and like a couple of the snapshots that I took of the gifts. And a couple days later, my gifty, who I'm still friends with, posts his recap of the adventure day on Reddit, and it just blows up immediately. It starts climbing to the front page. And so I, I link him constructedadventures.com, which is blank. It still has the lipsum lorem, you know, the placeholders for that yep. and and pictures of Nicolas Cage. And it's just a terrible website, but it had a little form submission. Like, you want to hire me? Fill this little thing out at the bottom. And so I'm in there in the, the Reddit comments chatting about it. It's skyrocketing to the front page. My friend who built the website is currently seeing Star Wars for the first time. I think this is back when episode seven came out and he finally gets home and gets on the website and starts doing it. It ended up kind of being a blessing in disguise because Reddit has this weird thing where it like hates being advertised to like they get so angry and someone's like, this is just an advertisement. And then someone's like, dude, look at his website. It's terrible. This is not some like crazy, you know, marketing scheme. What year was this? This was December, 2015. This was like the heyday of the hug of death from Reddit was was happening on a regular basis. I think my website got like 11,000 hits in a night or something like that. And I was up the entire night. And so was he just like doing the website, handling the insane amount of form submissions coming in and whatnot. And I got about an hour of sleep. And then the next day I wake up and my buddy had texted me. He's like, the news reached out and they want to do a story on you. And so it became kind of like that holiday fluff piece of like, internet stranger, gives a scavenger hunt for another internet stranger. And yeah, I was kind of off to the races. When I talk to other entrepreneurs and other business owners, I always want to make sure I don't feel like that lottery winner that was like, just buy lotto tickets. Like, it's really great. Like, that's how you make your money, right? I got very, very lucky basically going viral on the first go, which is something that is very, very difficult to do. I did constructed adventures as a side hustle for about two years, just working full time and doing events on the weekends and then jump ship and doing it full time for a couple of years now. That's fantastic. We're taking a moment to thank our sponsor, Morty. Morty is a free app for discovering, planning, tracking, and reviewing your escape rooms and other immersive social outings. I believe in it so much that I have a stake in it as an advisor. So David, I know you signed on as an advisor for Morty. Can you talk a little bit about what you have been doing over there? For about a year, Lisa and I, along with Tommy Houghton from Stash House in LA, a guest on this season, have been advising Morty. And what we do is we bring our perspectives and we do our best to bring the perspectives of players and owners. One of the things that I really love about Morty is how much they care about making sure that both of these groups are served properly. And it's not always an easy, obvious puzzle to solve, but they're down to listen and work and do what's right for the community. And that's why we put our weight behind them and why we're so thankful to have them as a sponsor. You can learn more at mortyapp.com slash repod. That's R-E-P-O-D to sign up and get a special badge for our listeners. Link and details in the show notes. So how much do you think you spent on that first adventure? 
Oh, I I tried to crunch the numbers. It was probably like three, four hundred bucks. Wow, which is funny because on a total stranger, it feels like a lot, but for a viral campaign that launched your new career of your dreams, it's nothing. So it puts things in perspective, huh? Yeah, it, that's exactly it. Where it's like I started off, and I just kind of kept coming up with better ideas, and I'm like, ah, screw it. I've already spent two hundred bucks. Like, what's what's two tickets to the zoo, right? Like, what's <laughs> dinner? What's this? Like, this thing's really cool. And while I was building it, I no intention of starting a business or anything like that. It really happened like as the day was going. So I was starting to get people reaching out, wanting me to do other adventures in other states and whatnot. And I remember I had had like a bad day at work and I always cleared my brain by going surfing. And I, I was paddling out and the waves were bad that night. They were just choppy and inconsistent. It was crowded. First wave paddle in drop in and my leash breaks, my board tumbles in, I have to swim all the way back in, get my board. And so I'm sitting on the beach. And it was like that rom-com kind of moment where like the guy's fiance leaves him and then he's like raining and then the car splashes. I'm like, okay, I need to make a change. Like this is not working. So I went in and I put my notice in and I was like, I think I can make constructed adventures work. Not quite sure how, but I think I can do it. And I ended up getting featured in a podcast called How I Built This, where he interviews like the founder of Spanx and like Airbnb. And then at the end, he talks to some schmuck who's like working on something. And I was that schmuck. And <laughs> that dropped oh, like the Monday before my final Friday at work. And all of a sudden, like site traffic spiked again. A bunch of people came in. And the moment I left my job, I was kind of off to the races and just booking plane tickets and finding places to stay and figuring out how to do this thing full time. That's really cool. What do you charge like from the lowest end to the highest end? I know it's a range. Yeah, so I charge a flat rate for myself. And I know this is very different than most event planners because most event planners are like, it's $10,000. And then I'm like, okay, what goes into that? And they're like, it's $10,000. And I'm like, okay, you're going to try to cut corners as much as possible. And this is going to be terrible. So my flat rate changes depending on if it's a individual adventure or like a big group game for like a publicity stunt or I did one for a wedding. It also shifts between supply and demand, how far booked out I am. I can raise my prices. Right now, my flat rate is $3,000. Then it's just whatever the cost is on top. So it's everything from my lift to the airport, my flight. When they go sit down at a restaurant, the server says, order whatever you want. Everything's been paid for. And they spend $82.93. I bill them $82.93. So I work with the client. Part of the survey, that in-depth survey, has things like, hey, where do you want the budget to go towards? The difference between them driving, them getting a black car to take them around, them getting a limo, and them getting a helicopter is $0 to like two to $3,000. And it doesn't really change much for me, right? So it's like, how much play money do you want to give me to create something cool? I'm not in the business of spending money to spend money, but it's nice to work with a bigger budget. But usually what will happen is they give me a budget, they pay a deposit, and then I just bill them whatever the cost of the adventure ends up being. So if their budget's $10,000 and we only need to spend $6,000 to make a great experience, I just bill them $6,000. And like, I'm making the same amount no matter what. What is a luxurious budget like for you? <laughs> yeah, so a luxurious budget is probably over... 10,000. I did one in Barcelona and I think the total budget was about 15. You can do cool stuff for not a lot of money, right? Being intercepted at a grocery store 
by somebody handing off a wax sealed envelope does not cost very much money, but flying in a helicopter to a, like a wild animal park with an otter, like that's, that's going to be a little I bit I was going to say having like a octopuses ice skating in circles around you. That's what 20,000 yes. gets you, David. <laughs> okay. So let me, let me rephrase my question. Let's just say that I stumbled upon an incredible amount of money and I want to have the most elaborate, the most expensive constructed adventure because that's where I want to put my money. If I want to go for the record, what do I have to spend? You're Jeff Bezos trying to keep your girlfriend from looking from, adoring. From Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're definitely dating the, the moment that we recorded this. <laughs> it's like the newspaper that you bought the day you were born. Um, so are you talking individual, not like a corporate one? Because corporate ones just get ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to beat the record individual, it's going to have to be above twenty to $30,000. Okay, cool. That's an impressive birthday party. And it's insane to me. Like I graduated college and my job, I made $30,000 a year and I lived in Southern California. So you can imagine how well that worked. And so it's just, it's really <laughs> wild to me to see people that are like, yeah, sure. Cool. I'm like, Oh my God. It's so much money. You've talked a little bit about your methods. And one of the things that I love about you and your work is that you aren't secretive at all. Nope. The last conversation we were just having will confirm. You have a YouTube channel where you share all sorts of tips and tricks and methods of creating adventures. I'm kind of curious, like, what are your top three do's and don'ts for creating an adventure? So I'm going to steal one, one that was perfectly, very succinctly put together by Errol. Everybody in this community knows Errol because he's a brilliant puzzle designer. Is your puzzles are too hard, make them easier. Yes, you. Yes, your puzzles. Yes, they're too hard. I don't have to look at them. I already know. I know they're too hard. Make them easier. Just make them easier. They're too hard. It's not fun. Make them easier. I feel like you are eating eggs away from being Errol right now. Yeah, exactly. He is such a fantastic guy, too. Our industry is great. I'll give Errol a quick plug. He also has a podcast called The Room Escape Divas. Yeah, so you guys should also go check them out as well. So that's the first one. And really, to, to even scale it back, the whole entire foundation of everything that I build is elegant simplicity. You do not need complexity to make this fun. The true star of any treasure scavenger hunt you build for someone is just the sheer thought that they don't know what happens next. That is it. That is the biggest, most exciting thing, that they don't know what happens next. And everything else is just how are you going to propel them from one stop to another? And you're going to do it simply, and you're going to do it elegantly. Telling someone to go here and wait for further instructions is the easiest thing you could put together. But it is so fun because they are sitting there on a park bench and Everyone is now in on it. It's like, is that lady walking the dog? Is she in on it? Is like that old man here? Is that bird? Are birds real? Right? Like that is an exciting moment. And it's also the most present that person will be in probably a long time. Challenge doesn't make for fun. It really doesn't. It can be. Beating a challenge is fun, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be challenging to be fun. So elegant simplicity is the first big one. And honestly, making your puzzles easier is the second one. And then a really simply for romantic gestures, no open flame, just use fake candles. Don't use real candles. It, you're just going to burn your house down. I love that that made the top three. 
What happened with the candles? The architect, when he was doing this part-time, made a lot of mistakes. I am not perfect. I'm still not perfect. I think this is constructed adventure number like five. I've now done, I think, 84, 85. And it was like basically just like a Valentine's Day date. No puzzles, no challenge. They just needed help like one place or another. And it ended with him doing a redo proposal because his proposal the previous year was rushed and not done very well. And he wanted something. Uh, and so I was like, oh, I'm going to get a bunch of votive candles for the home, just like you see in all the movies. But what you don't see in the movies is one to 300 votive candles take forever to light. By the time you've lit the, the final ones, the first ones have burnt out. They cook <laughs> the room. The room gets so hot. And then in this case, since they were just naked votive candles, they singed the carpet and I had to replace the guy's carpet. So just buy fake candles. I had somebody fight me like argue with me he's like i want real candles i was like dude i'm not doing this i will i will we are not i will walk this, away from this, this is the thing. hill you die on yeah i will <laughs> give you your deposit back we are not doing this proposal if there's real candles i promise you fake candles look great they're a little more expensive they're not more expensive than replacing someone's rug just buy fake candles so super important and really the the no open flame is mitigate risk do what you can to remove any and all risk from this if you're going to do a proposal do it in a place that can be contained don't do it at a sporting event don't do it in the middle of like a huge crowd where you have to deal with all this so to like addendum my no open flame remove as much risk as possible because these days are long and they're difficult and something always goes wrong anyway and so anything you can do to shore up that is going to help can I tell you guys, in college, I had planned like a little Valentine's date. I made little heart-shaped Rice Krispie treats, and we were on the beach, and I lit candles everywhere, and the night is going swimmingly. And let me tell you guys that I didn't realize, but on a dark beach and you have a bunch of candles, you are lit up like the 4th of July, and people can see you for miles. So that is all I have to say, and you should not um, light candles at the beach if you're trying to have a romantic date. <laughs> is this going to be like a new TMZ drop where they're like survivor alum, PG law caught getting frisky on the beach in a very well lit candle environment. <laughs> this was many, many eons ago, but don't dox yourself at the beach. Privacy. Privacy is great. I think trade secrets are dumb, especially in our industry. And our industry is pretty great because I work very hard to help encourage other people to do exactly what I do on a professional or amateur level, there needs to be more of this in the world. And we've kind of been built into this way where like a stranger approaches us and we're like, dude, just get away from it. I don't want to deal with you. You're just going to do something weird. I don't want it. And it's nice to change that where it's like, we see things that are out of the ordinary and we recoil in terror. And these days give those people like, Hey, one time I saw something out of the ordinary and it was friggin' awesome. I mean, it's funny that our society has demonized the stranger to the extent that it has, because if you look at the crime statistics, violent crimes happen between people who know each other. All of the stuff that people are like, oh, it's a stranger. They might do X to me. That's not really the way it works. Like, Does it happen? Sure. But like the odds that your cousin is going to be the person who kills you is better than the odds that it's like some random person from the Internet. And also statistically, the crime rates plummeted in like the developed world since the 70s drastically. But true crime's a thing. There's a lot of true crime podcasts. There's a lot of law and order. And so I like I like working and helping and inspiring people to do these because, you know, maybe we can shift yeah. shift it a little bit. I mean, for us, we've basically spent the last seven, eight years now with Room Escape Artists just constantly meeting strangers from the internet. And 
it's funny because in the early days, we didn't think too much of it, but our friends and family certainly had opinions about it. And even to this day, we still always have to remember when we're meeting someone new that this is probably not normal for them. Way more often than not, they're great. Don't be afraid of strangers on the internet. They're usually just normal people. Maybe a little weird. Maybe it's me, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Really like puzzles. <laughs> yeah. We'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Virtual Escape Games. Virtual Escape Games specializes in virtual team building adventures for teams anywhere around the globe, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. With Teresa, one of the most prolific reviewers of virtual escape games for the Room Escape Artist Hivemind, joining to share her thoughts on one of her favorite games. Escape the 80s Workout VHS was an incredibly charming and easy online game that had me laughing the entire time. The puzzles overall were not difficult, so this would be a great game for non-puzzlers and fans of the 80s. The final sequence was really well executed, and even experienced puzzlers will enjoy it. As a poser 80s kid, no, of course I wasn't alive, but I love everything about the 80s, this game was such a delight and well worth your time. For non-hosted games, one to six players, you can get 20% off using the code REA20. And for your team building adventures, you can also knock off 20% with the code TB20. All of this is available for you at virtualescapegames.com. These details are in the show notes. You've talked a lot about balancing challenge versus being in the moment. And you've alluded to going out of your way to make sure that you avoid frustration. How do you do that? What's the proportion here of challenge to something bombastic and special to some kind of friction for the players to overcome? Yeah, it's there's an ebb and a flow to the day. And it's kind of built like a video game. When you play a video game, level one is you learn how to run. Level two, you learn how to jump. And then level three is run, jump. And so oftentimes what I've found is unlike escape rooms where people are like, okay, we signed up for this. Maybe we went to like dinner beforehand and we've been ready for it. We're prepared for it. The player never sees this coming. And so especially in the very beginning, like it's a task. Go to this coffee shop, give them a password. Not even going to make you decode a message or solve a puzzle for the password. It's just Mockingbird or whatever. So then they can kind of get the hang of that. When it comes to puzzles and challenges, I don't ever like people to be stagnant where an easy thing is like, okay, you need to solve this puzzle to figure out where to go next, right? And so you take 15 minutes solving the puzzle and then you drive 15 minutes to the next spot. Well, why not just tell them, go to this spot and then you're gonna have to give them a password when they arrive. So now they're driving 15 minutes and they're solving a puzzle for 15 minutes while they do it. And it's like, everything's just kind of continuously driving. There's never any stagnation. I like to talk about how like, you know, you see a movie like National Treasure and they're like, all right, we've got to go to Paris. And then the movie, like they're in Paris. You don't see the 15 hour flight where they're just like reading a newspaper and it's just like, so it's like that type of thing. You're trying to recreate these movie moments But movie moments have that advantage of being able to like cut and edit. I like to keep that driving. And so everything has to make sense. Everything has to fit 
for the player experience. So it never feels like it drags or just slogs down. It's always kind of driving and I can fill up that empty space sometimes with something to do. And sometimes I don't. Sometimes they just, if they have a black car taking the round, maybe they need 15 minutes just to kind of sit there and chat and just wonder what happens next. So do you only keep track of this? Because I guess you are kind of game mastering this, like in the open wide world. You said you GPS track them. Yeah, so I like I like to say I, I low jack my my players. Uh, I have a GPS tracker that's about the size of a beeper. Uh, I think the company's called Spytech. It essentially I can set up geofences so I know where they need to be because I have a very detailed spreadsheet. This time they get intercepted. Google Maps historic time is this. I have this. I build in one or two stops that I can remove if they're falling behind so they never feel inadequate, right? Because if we're trying to stick the landing on a marriage proposal, probably going to be at sunset, probably going to have a photographer that we've paid for an hour, two hour slot. So we need to make sure that they're driving toward that. It's real easy to slow someone down. It's real hard to speed them up. So I find some creative way to put the GPS tracker on them. Sometimes it's really easy. If the black car's taken around, I just meet with the black car driver and just put it in the you know, cup holder or something. Usually sometimes someone will hire me and they'll also be along with it. So they get to kind of have their cake and eat it too, where they give me money and we work together and they know some of the major hits, but they don't know everything, but they're my inside person. So I can kind of coordinate with them and the magic is truly preserved for the other. Other times it's really tricky. I did a proposal once, which she got this giant treasure chest that just showed up on her doorstep. And her sister was the other person, also completely clueless to it. And the whole day revolved around, it was kind of like those Russian nesting dolls where you just like take one. And so it's just like opening more chests and more chests and more chests. And she finally gets this last little chest, goes to the spot where they went on their first date. He's there with the key. He opens the chest, pulls out the ring that she had to carry around all day. And like right beneath the ring was the GPS tracker. So oftentimes I'll give them something that they need to carry around all day. That's just locked. That's the final thing they open. And like the GPS trackers right inside of it or underneath it. That's super clever. If people need like a hint or a little nudge, do they text you or do you have a hint system built in? Yeah. So it varies. If somebody hires me to do something with their significant other and they want to go on the whole thing, I'm like, cool, you get snagged. I'll give you a hint. You look like the genius problem solved, right? It works out really well. If they are by themselves, I will build out a hint system that will also be wax sealed in an envelope. So oftentimes the trickiest puzzles happen at restaurants because they're going to be sitting down for 45 minutes to an hour anyway. They can do something with a little bit of depth to it instead of just like solve this thing on the fly as you figure out where to go next. And so I'll have the server when they're sitting at dinner, I'm sitting at another table or sitting outside or somewhere. And if they get snagged, I will have another wax sealed envelope with like the hint number one that, you know, is delivered to them. Maybe it's a vellum paper overlay where they put it on top and it helps shine a little bit of light. If they're running super far ahead, like they can just struggle. I need to kill some time. If they're really far behind, they get a lot of pieces of it. So it's the feel for it too. I've gotten pretty good at reading between the lines of difficulty. Not to say I'm perfect. Some people are like, we want a level 10. You don't want a level 10. Like we want a level 10. Like level 10 is not fun. Level 10 is the MIT mystery hunt. It's punishing. Since the whole world is your game space and you've alluded to this a little bit already, What do you do to keep players from completely flying off the rails? And I'm thinking specifically like the instance of the player whose family or friends spent 20 grand and money isn't an object. And they're like, well, I think we're supposed to fly to Paris. And you're like, (laughs) no, don't fly to Paris. How do you keep that from completely falling apart? 
very concrete directions. And oftentimes, as I said, the puzzle isn't necessarily where to go next. It's what to do once you get there. And this last one that I did, the Skyrim Adventure, they didn't know where they were going. The driver had the list of locations, and they just had to figure out what to do once they arrived. And so there was no risk of them driving super far, flying super far. Someone's going to Paris, they're getting a plane ticket that says, you're going to Paris, this is your time, be here. Somebody will be waiting for you. When you arrive at a city block, you're now contained in the city block and maybe it's like, go to the red door. Perfect. I'll obviously be there scouting beforehand to make sure there isn't a red door. And oftentimes I'll have at least one or two people that I hire as just a buffer. They're either a runner where the person starts to get a headache. So at the next stop with the wax of the envelope, there's a little jar of ibuprofen or they want a Coca-Cola or they want something. It's a little bit full service concierge or they'll pre-calligraphy their name on a bunch of envelopes with the wax seal. I'll exacto the wax seal open with extra cards and then write some extra instructions in my handwriting, lick it shut because they can't tell the difference. And then some runner goes and delivers it to them. So there's a flexibility with this day that helps make sure that it seems like everything was meant to be even when something goes off the rails, which something oftentimes does. That sounds so magical. Could you imagine, David, if you were like in an escape room, you're like, man, I'm so thirsty. You go to the next one and it's like, here's a Dr. Pepper. This is a totally random aside, but one of my favorite moments in an escape room, and it was the, the room was good, not great. I made a joke about the Kool-Aid man and the door to the room had a mail slot. And a minute later, a Capri Sun was passed through the mail slot with a post-it on it that says, it's not Kool-Aid, but it's coming through the wall. Oh, I love that. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. It's like one of the most treasured escape room memories. It had nothing to do with the game. I can't actually recall anything about the game other than I made a Kool-Aid man joke. There was a mail slot and this thing came through it. I imagine you've designed a lot of interactions and puzzles around inside jokes and very personal memories. When you're crafting an experience for an audience of one, how do you test that content? So everything that I use or do has been play tested before. There are, and I like to call them gambits. There are gambits that I will absolutely recycle because they're just a fantastic experience. Like a Cryptex is just great. It is a five, six letter cylinder password, good weight to it, fun experience, can be pre-programmed to anything. I'm going to use a Cryptex because it's just a great get a jail free card. But yeah, a lot of it's just regular good old fashioned playtesting, trying to find people that aren't in the puzzle world, or sometimes that could be a little bit tricky. You're playtesting with people that are like, oh yeah, like indexing. I know what indexing is. And like, <laughs> you either know what indexing is or you don't. It's one of those like, yeah, it's either going to get a hundred on this test or you're going to get zero. Can we explain what indexing is? For those who are wondering, indexing is where you have maybe a couple of sentences or a couple of words and numbers associated with them. And you have to go and you count that many letters into the word or into the sentence and pull out an individual letter. And so it's a way that you can take a passage of text and some numbers and pull out a hidden message from it. Yeah, it's a tricky thing with anything where you're essentially decoding a message because indexing is essentially like decoding a code less than a puzzle, which there's crossover, but still not. Where oftentimes with decoding a message, you just have to tell them how to do the decode and they just do it. It becomes a task. Mm -hmm. So indexing is tricky because for those that have done online puzzle hunts, the moment you see numbers and letters, you're like, we're going to try indexing. 
does it work? No. Okay. What's the next thing? Or maybe it does work. Let's go and see if we have to shift it that many digits. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But people that have never done indexing are like, I just see a grocery list. I don't yeah. know what this means. So I would rather have it be too easy than too hard always. Mm-hmm. And I hire people to help me. And oftentimes I'll hire people to build out puzzles for things from my community. And I have to wrestle with them sometimes because they're super smart and they're the ones doing the cryptex hunt and they're the ones who want to do the Arizona hunt and all these things. And so they're in this world and I'm like, guys, it's too difficult. And we kind of ran into a little bit. We're like, it's not too difficult. I'm like, guys, it's too difficult. They want I to can't do, do it. Flashy probably. Yeah. Like, yeah. Really they're getting better. It's become a lot of it has to do with just me learning how to be like a manager. That's not the right word, but like learning how to work with people. Learning how to be a creative director is really what it sounds like. Yeah, but so they're wonderful and they have great ideas. And sometimes it's just about like, you got to scale it back. You're building a puzzle hunt for your husband who is super into puzzles. I'm building this for somebody's wife who's kind of into puzzles, who thinks she's into puzzles, but she's not actually into puzzles. She does crosswords and Sudoku's big difference. I have designed so many things that I think are super obvious. I did an overlay that was meant to go over like a dollar bill. And there was an oval in the middle. It's the exact size and shape. And I'm like, people have got to know what they're doing with this, right? And nobody had a clue. (laughs) I mean, your first draft of any puzzle is almost certainly too hard. And your second draft probably is too. Hey, folks. I'd like to take a moment to talk to you about something that I've been working on with a bunch of people from the team over here for years. We've been wanting to host Recon, the Reality Escape convention in person in Boston for a very long time. And circumstances have halted that effort, but not this year, we're doing it. August 21st and 22nd of 2022 in Boston, Recon is happening. We are blending escape room conference with the tours we've been producing for years to produce a proper escape room convention. You'll meet people, you'll play games, you'll hear wonderful talks. It's going to be a great time, and I truly hope that you come and join us. Tickets for Recon are available now. You can learn more at realityescapecon.com. Details in the show notes. Last question about the playtesting. Do you have people just test the individual components or do you actually send somebody to do a run through of the entire day as planned so you get a sense of like timing and all of that? I definitely have people do the individual pieces. If there's something big, I'll try to do it. The tricky thing for me is most of these fall on a Saturday because that's just when a lot of people have the days off. So I will be in town a week before going to a bunch of potential places of interest that I've looked up on TripAdvisor or Yelp or Google to get a feel to make sure there isn't like a farmer's market that Google just failed to mention or this and this and this. So I get a feel for how it's going to be because timing ends up being the big thing. Puzzle's too hard and they have to have a hint, not a big deal. If they're supposed to interact with some statue in the middle of a town square and there's like this huge Oktoberfest or something, or some weekly thing, I have to make sure that I'm prepared for that because I don't want to be surprised. This kind of goes in with me talking about flexibility, but it really is just preparing to shift or preparing to change or being flexible and being prepared for when you arrive an hour in advance for when your player's supposed to get there and something's happened. And I've got a lot of those that have happened and you got to just kind of be quick and ready to change. On that note, What's your advice for someone looking to propose with an adventure of some sort? 
Ooh, yes. Past the other ones that I talked about, no open flame. I'll start with the basic formula that I use. And I can send you guys this too, because it's on my blog. It starts with the ending. It always starts with the ending. Elon Lee said that, though I think he talked about how even he wouldn't follow this sometimes, where it's like, everybody always like, yeah, you start with the end. And then we never follow our own directions. But it's a proposal. You start at the end. You're probably going to want to do it at sunset. You have three options as far as the actual proposal moment. You're either doing it in a super public spot, you're doing it in a semi-contained public spot, or you're doing it in a private spot. Super public, the best example I can use is a sporting event. And in my personal opinion, you should never, ever, 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 ever propose to a human being at a sporting event unless it meets the following criteria. Both of you were born and raised on this sports team. Two, both of you met at this sports game. And then three, both of you still are super into it. Like that Boston Red Sox movie with Jimmy Fallon. That's fine. But every time I hear about somebody proposing at a sporting event, I'm like, there's just better ways to do it. The semi-contained spot is like maybe at a beach at sunset where you've like gone the week before and double check to see how it is or like a park where it like might be okay. And then a super contained spots like a private room at a restaurant or your own home or something like that. And then the next question I like to ask is, do you want to be walking up with your proposee or do you want your proposee to be ushered to you? If it's a treasure hunt, usually they're going to be ushered to you. I recommend that because like, what are you going to say? Like the 30 seconds where you're like, okay, what about the weather? Like your heart's beating out of your chest. You should know that they're going to say yes. The surprise should not be that you're proposing. It should be how you're proposing. Yes. And then it should be elegant. It should be simple. It should be short. Is this the kind of person that wants a photo? Probably. You should probably have a photographer. Do they want their nails done? Probably. So if you can't think of a way to get their nails done prior, like leading up, have it be one of the stops. It's not hard to make a reservation at a nail salon and just leave a credit card. Same thing with hair and makeup. And then does this person actually want a treasure scavenger hunt proposal? This is not for everybody. There are people in this world that don't want this kind of thing. They want something just very simple, very intimate, like at home cooking, get down on knee and propose. I've turned down a lot of proposal clients for two reasons. One, they haven't been dating long enough. Uh, and then two, after starting to do my research on the person, I don't think this is really what they want. They want something simple. They don't want some treasure scavenger hunt. This is what the person hiring me would want. That's my general observation is like, you have to really make sure that what you're doing matters to both of you equally, because it gets really weird when you're like, I really love this thing and you come along with me for it. So I'm proposing to you this way. Yeah, I've gotten very lucky that I'm usually booked out pretty far. Thank you, marketing, and the fact that it's just me and I do two a month and, and whatever. But it allows me to kind of be able to be like, listen, we're either doing it this way or I'm going to walk. Like, I don't need you as a client. <laughs> you need me because you're not going to be able to find anybody else that could do this, though they probably can, and I can point mm -hmm. them in the right direction. I had one gentleman hire me for, uh, I think it was an anniversary or a birthday, and he was like, my wife loves museums and art and culture, so I want a museum heist-themed adventure. And I was like, okay. And so I eventually got a hold of the friends and family because that's always part of the thing that I do. And they're like, dude, she doesn't want that. She wants mimosas. She wants a limo. She wants whimsy. She wants pampering. That's the kind of day that she wants. 
And so I came back to him and I'm like, how about we do this? And he, he went with it and we ended up going based off, there was a book that was a favorite book of the two of them called Jitterbug Perfume. And it was basically about finding immortality. And so the whole thing was about finding this blue bottle. And I had actors that played modern day versions of the characters kind of doing this. And it ended with immortality being through the friendship that she's made with all of her friends at the surprise party. Um, and the Jitterbug Perfume bottle ended up being like a bottle of champagne that said like pop to start party and she popped it and everybody yelled surprise and it was great did he concede that you were right yes yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah i'm like how did he get art lover into museum heist and i'm like that's the opposite of like yeah this they're like being destructive to the art i'm curious to hear your reaction to how i crafted my elaborate puzzle proposal to lisa would you be willing to stick around for our patreon exclusive bonus episode and talk shop and kind of uh give me your thoughts on how i went about doing this oh my god yes and i'm also happy to share a whole bunch more horror stories if you want to hear them too i want to hear what's the most outlandish way something has gone wrong on one of your adventures let's give people a little teaser right now yeah so i did a margarita themed adventure where most of the party didn't bring their ids oh no oh yes So this was the final adventure I did before I went full time. This was a nice one because it wasn't really my fault. Like I've had things that have gone wrong where it's like, yeah, I I messed this up. This one was like they all knew it was margarita themed. The little caveat was it's in San Diego and they were all military. Everybody in the military has a military ID. I've since learned. And most of the time they can go into San Diego and they can just use their military ID and it totally gets the job done. This just happened to be a very busy day in Pacific Beach, San Diego. And the whole crux of it was everywhere she went, a friend was waiting and they bought a margarita and they figured out where and they kind of like snowballed, like added a friend along the way at every stop. And this, once again, it was before I did this full time. So their budget was very low, low to the point of like, just send them in. The friend will have the puzzle and the friends will order the margarita so you don't need to talk to the business owners huge mistake always talk to the business owners first of all all the friends were running late which was just like oh my gosh like how and then like the second or the third friend they they went to the first bar too and they were fine and the second the third bar was like they're not letting me in because i don't have my id and i'm like why don't you have your id and like why my military id and i'm like why do you not have your id and so i ended up having to try to rebuild the adventure as it was going Calling places, being like, hi, I'm doing this thing. I have these military members doing this, opening up the wax sealed envelopes, like rewriting them, like licking them shut, getting it all together, rebuilding the entire second half of the adventure. They ended up having a great time. Thanks, alcohol. But it was like the most stressful thing. And like, that was like, oh God, this is the, I'm going to do this full time now. And luckily I've learned a lot of lessons and it's gotten easier and it's okay. But man, that was, that was rough. This is like the inverse of like last job before you retire. Yeah, right. What comes next for you? What are you working on right now? Yeah, so 2020 was not fun for anybody. But as you can imagine, I shuttered everything, just took a year off. I still do events. I do less now. I take bigger breaks between them. I do a lot of consultation. Just somebody wants to do something for their boyfriend or for their husband or wife or like a family thing. Sometimes companies want to try to do something. And so I'll work with them on game design for big group games. I'm working with a gentleman who's writing a book that he's going to opt as a Netflix special that has a whole treasure hunt in the back. And that's going to be really cool. The book's going to be really good. So I do a lot of consultation. My big goal as I move forward with Constructed Adventures is to really be a beacon to help inspire 
people to do this, whether it's on an amateur or professional level. So I have the YouTube channel where I just try to help keep people from making the same mistakes that I did and have a blog where I have myself and some other great people uh, write blogs every week, Um, started a shop trying to find the things that I like to purchase, like cryptexes and elemental pens where the ink burns away with fire or other stuff. And just try to basically help people out because I really wish there'd been something like this when I was a kid. What's the name of the shop? Uh, It's it's on the website, unconstructedadventures.com slash shop. There's only like a couple things on there, working on getting hollowed out books as the next thing. I found my favorite type of cryptex. It's not the Nevins one. Justin Nevins cryptex is amazing, but understandably, it's a little bit outside of the price range of some people. And there are a lot of really crappy cryptexes out there. And so I found one that I, I like using. I did a massive review of cryptexes years ago, and his was the Ooh. only one that was worth it. I'm curious to see which one... Yeah, I have I have one that's like the it was RetroWorks had it and I found a manufacturer to make me some that holds up. Most of the time it's online, it's like 60 bucks. I try to sell everything for less. But yeah, Nevins is, is incredible. And yeah, if you can go there, the you king. just go there. He's the king. Absolutely. Uh, but there's one that holds up pretty well. And for people that have never seen this or have no idea about this world, it's great. So a couple little things, just trying to when 2020 hit, it hit me like a truck because 95% of my revenue was flying internationally and building events. And so since then, I'm trying to make it a little bit more balanced. So a lot of consultation, a lot of uh, just selling things and just kind of assisting people, trying to find a way to monetize, helping and inspiring people to do this because that's a win-win for everybody involved. Very cool. Sounds amazing. Yeah. Where can people find you on social media and online? Yes. So... It's basically, if you just Google constructed adventures, you can probably find everything. It's constructed, past tense, adventures, plural. Definitely a very long name. Learn some lessons there. Instagram is constructed underscore adventures. Twitter, never on it, but constructed underscore ADV. I'm most active on the subreddit. If you just go on Reddit, you type in constructed adventures right there. And then there is a, a pretty active discord where a lot of the community is doing the super tricky puzzle hunts. So if you're trying to dive in there, and then also you can come in for kind of some real-time advice of like, hi, I'm trying to pull this thing off. How can I do it? We have a, a, I think we change it to monthly puzzle jam where we give people prompts and they build puzzles and I send them prizes randomly for people that complete it. So if you want to join the communities, Reddit and Discord are kind of the way to go. I still have the YouTube channel. I am not nearly as active on it because I'm traveling so much. I still shoot the videos. I got a bunch of those, but editing videos is hard and time consuming and arduous. So I've got one that I'm almost done with. So the YouTube channel does have uh, quite a bit just constructed adventures youtube and yeah it's uh, just there to help teach lessons sometimes it's on a very high level this is why you should or shouldn't do something sometimes it's like this is a knight's tour puzzle that you can use on a chessboard and it's really cool and it's not too difficult but here you go and here's how you make it and so some people just need that perfect we will have all the links on the show notes for people who want to go check out your website and your work the reality escape pod is produced by lisa spira Edited by Steve Ewing of Stand Inside Media and brought to you by RoomEscapeArtist.com, your home for well-researched, rational, and reasonably humorous escape room and immersive gaming content and events. I'd like to take a minute to talk to y'all from the heart. PG and I put a lot into making all of these episodes, as do the team that is off microphone. My wife, Lisa, Steve, our editor, put a ton into producing this podcast. 
All of this is made possible because of the support from our Patreon community. That financial support allows us to invest in the production value of what we're making and allows us to inch our way towards making this into a proper career. It's hard to monetize content these days, and our Patreon community really does allow us to do that. And we're really trying to grow. So we put out extra bonus episodes for our patrons. We have a spoilers club for higher level backers. We've got a Discord chat, and we're always adding new things to the mix for our patrons. So if you love what we're doing, please consider supporting us. It means more than you could ever imagine. And you'll get a whole bunch of extra content too. Thank you again to all our patrons. If you aren't one, I hope you become one. Speaking of our Patreon supporters, I want to take a moment to thank some of our highest level backers. This podcast would not exist without your support. Thank you so much to Breakout Games, Derek Tam, Jonathan Driscoll, Byron Delmonico, Paula Swan, Rex Miller, and Scott Olson. Thank you so much for your support. So I travel all over. Most of the time, it's the United States for adventures. I've done a decent amount of international adventures. Most of the international adventures I do are myself and another American all flying out and basically doing an adventure, which is totally kosher when it comes to work visas because I am being paid by an American and I'm taking that American's money and I'm spending it in Barcelona or Costa Rica or Canada or something like that. However, I had one where I went to Canada because somebody in Canada hired me and this was just me being an idiot and not knowing, oh, I should probably apply for some type of work visa. And so I get to Canada, the little thing that you have to fill out of like, I'm not bringing livestock in, yada, 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 ended up getting ripped in the machine. And so I kind of have this belief of like, if it had just gone through, I probably would have been fine and so they send me to the very end guy and the very end guy is like i think you might need a work visa and i was like oh my god and so i go through the whole thing and they were very nice canada they basically said like you are on the razor's edge and i think one of my fatal flaws was in trying to explain what i do one of the easiest fallbacks is like, I'm kind of like a wedding planner. Like I just like do this big thing. And so they're like, well, they could have just hired a wedding planner in Canada. Why do they need to bring you? And so he basically said like, yeah, you can't stay here. So I was very nice. And they're like, yep, you stay here tonight, but you need to book a flight home tomorrow right now. And we're gonna take your passport. And so I had to, <laughs> to take the most stressful night of my life, probably in this hotel in Canada, trying to like figure these things out, flying out the next day. I had an escort through the airport. Oh <laughs> guy God. was super nice. What a yeah. walk of shame. Oh my God. It was such a walk <laughs> of shame. Um, I honestly was just happy. I'm like, I'm just going to, you know, whatever. I ended up finding somebody. I, I, I called the client who was already very difficult to work with. So it's like, of course, like, of course I have a difficult client where this happens and it's not somebody who's like super interesting because it's like, what I do is dumb. I build treasure hunts for a living, right? This is not life and death. Worst case scenario, like your 40th birthday isn't great. Like you'll be fine, right? No, some people are very, very like angry about things. Anyway, so I told them, I'm like, here's the deal. 
I will build this whole thing remotely and I'll take the money that you were going to pay me and just spend that on getting people to run it. So I will still build this, I will make no money. And it ended up being really stressful. They were still just really like, I should have just been like, nope, here's your deposit back, like blah, blah. But I, I did it, it was fine. Guy had a great time. People that I worked with, it was, it was tricky. They were understandably upset because <laughs> their event planner got deported. But yeah, that was <laughs> one of many lessons. So if anybody wants to try to do what I do and you're gonna do something internationally, either lie or just get a work visa. 